You're listening to Partners United on the Civic Space, brought to you by Shehu Musa Yaradua Foundation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Partners United podcast on the Civic Space, brought to you by the Shehu Musa Yaradua Foundation. Today, we will discuss the significance of protecting Nigerians' online civic space. Choma Agwebo, founder of Tekar, a digital advocacy and awareness platform, will be our guest today. Welcome, Thank Choma. Thank you for having me. Nigeria's online civic space, like that of other emerging democracies, is increasingly under attack by state forces with a poor knowledge of digital platforms and how they work. Nigeria's place on the list of repressive governments that use digital sovereignty to enforce new legislation that advance censorship, wide-scale systematic surveillance and micro-targeting continues to strengthen. The government's prescription of the popular social media network Twitter in June 2021 in response to the platform's enforcement of its content restrictions against President Muhammad Buhari's account demonstrates the government's growing aggressiveness in its efforts to silence any form of dissent. The government claim risks to Nigeria's corporate existence while ignoring the economic, social, and other ramifications of its people's voices. This is in addition to the threat of dire consequences if media houses do not quit the platform. Ms. Chama, thank you for joining us today. But before we delve into the discussion, could you kindly explain what is the online civic space and when did it gain momentum in Nigeria? Thank you very much for, for that question. Civic spaces can simply be described as political, legislative, social or economic environments that allow citizens, so men, women from all local governments, from all communities to just come together, share concerns, share their interests and have conversations about the environment in which they belong. For instance, civic space could be people in Abuja talking about traffic lights that are not working or street lights that are not working. It could be people in Kanu talking about poor transportation. It could be people in Enugu talking about the need for government to make increased provisions for pregnant women or people with disabilities. The civic space essentially is the free space or free spaces for citizens to have conversations. Great. Thank you so much for that explanation. It was really, really awesome. Um, you may recall that Twitter deleted the president's tweets in June 2021, prompting the government to suspend the country's Twitter feed. It was about that time everyone downloaded a VPN in order to access Twitter. When should online freedom of expression be regulated? And why are some people's freedom of speech impacted while others are not? That's a very interesting question. And I think the first thing to say is, we continue to have conversations about, you know, you've mentioned something in your intro about sovereignty and things threatening Nigeria security. We tend to treat security and sovereignty as infrastructure, as opposed to human beings, right? So you could draw a circle around Nigeria and protect that circle. But if the people within that circle do not feel safe, then you cannot say you have protected anyone. And this is the challenge with the government's consistent intention to regulate social media or regular line spaces. It is not for the people. It is against the people. And so people don't have any investment in it, which is why, like you mentioned, everyone ran to get VPN. People were saying all sorts of things like our tweets are now coming from our branch in the UK or the US or Ghana, wherever else those types of restrictions did not apply. 
I think that there are things that, by virtue of common sense, call for regulation. For instance, things like child pornography is a crime. There are crimes that are already legislated against. So when you start to think about, or when you start to hear government say things like they want to regulate online communications or, you know, civic spaces, or they start to do things that shrink the civic space, you're very clear that this is not for the people. This is government trying to stifle voices, stifle dissent, and stop people from expressing themselves, which unfortunately is a fundamental human right that we have. Thank you so much for that. Um, in recent times, we've seen a lot of movements being propelled by young people. And how has social media driven civic engagement in Nigeria? Social media has given young people a space to vent. It has given them a place to speak. Um, Nigeria has witnessed a high level of adoption of digital services and technologies in the past 20 years. And with that type of adoption and penetration of technology comes increased communication, increased engagement, increased collaboration, people using technology to circumvent even restrictions put up by government. People are using technology to speak up about sexual and gender-based violence. They're using technology and digital spaces to speak about their businesses. Nigeria has, I think we've had two unicorns. These are organizations that have raised, I think it's by 1 million or have been valued at about 1 million or $1 billion. This is what young Nigerians are doing. And then the flip side to that is you then have a government that says, we want to ban crypto, we want to ban the use of drones. Basically, we want to ban everything that we don't understand. I think that technology, the advent of technology and the adoption mm -hmm. of technology in Nigeria has strengthened the voices of women, has strengthened the voices of regular Nigerians. I'm sure you must have seen a lot of times something happens to a person, they have tried without any success to get redress. And then they come online, people amplify their voices, and then they get the solution they're looking for. This is what social media has done for us. Am I saying that there haven't been instances where people have used social media to commit crime? Of course not. And crime is not native to any one country in the world, right? But the preponderance of opinion says that digital in Nigeria has been a good thing. What I would expect any right-thinking, well-meaning government to do is to understand, you know, to humble itself and understand how can we use this technology to better ourselves. I was in a conference just yesterday in Poland and a government minister was talking about because they've had a lot of young children and families coming from Ukraine because of Russia's invasion, they have now set up toll-free lines so that children who are struggling with feelings, you know, from being displaced can call those lines and have psychologists speak to them in their native tongue. And I started thinking... Look at the amount of displacement we have in Nigeria. These are internally displaced people. We've not catered to their physical welfare. We haven't catered to their mental welfare. We haven't catered to their emotional welfare. And on the other side of the world, there's a country that's technically at war with a country. And it is the minute details, just taking care of children. Of course, this presupposes that the parents have been catered to, but they've set up toll-free lines for children to be catered to in the language that they understand in gamified formats so that children do not feel the seriousness of the situation. And these are the types of solutions that technology affords us. These are the types of solutions that I think the Nigerian government should be thinking about because ultimately it is about the Nigerian people. 
not the politicians, not the government. It's about the Nigerian people, and that's what we should constantly be thinking about. Choma, your explanation was quite enlightening. I understand that the online space not only promotes civic engagement as evidenced by the NSAS movement and the approaching 2023 elections, but it also serves as a way of disseminating information. However, there have been cases where false or inaccurate information has been represented as facts. What impact does disinformation have on the online civic space? So I'm going to be honest and say that disinformation, misinformation, outright falsehood um, have bad impacts, you know, the very consequential on civic spaces, etc. However, if you look at Nigeria very carefully, I think the biggest uh, mongers of falsehood and misinformation, you know, has actually been government, which is why I'm always amused when they talk about, oh, we want to regulate social media to counter disinformation. No. When NSAS was happening, who procured mercenaries to disrupt the protests across the country, right? Who has uh, media rooms or media centers filled with young people earning a pittance and charged with discountenancing dissenting voices online? So when we think about disinformation, when we think about troll farming, when we think about real untoward behavior online, we should be pointing fingers everywhere but at citizens as a matter of fact. A lot of the poor behaviors online starting to see from citizens have been learned from government, right? So am I saying that disinformation is not a problem, misinformation is not a problem? No. But I'm saying that he who is without sin should cast the first stone. I'm saying that the government should remove the log and the forest in its eyes before it starts to look at the specks of dust in the eyes of its citizens. As a matter of fact, government should model proper behavior for citizens to follow. And we're not seeing that. I think that, Nafisa, if I came to you and said, follow me, I believe that you will follow me because you think, okay, well, Choma is a decent person. I imagine that she's not going to, you know, knock me over the head with a sledgehammer or something. When government asks us to do something, we should be doing that thing because we are watching government do it, not because they say so. You know, it's just like you tell children, do as I do not do as I say. Government needs to model good behavior for citizens. As a matter of fact, we talk about online regulation, you know, or regulation of online spaces, but we don't talk about, it's like we're putting the cart before the horse, we're majoring in the minors and all of those types of things, because look at the data that the government wants to be in charge of. So when you talk about modeling good behavior, you have to ask the question, what is the government doing with our data? What are the boundaries? What are the legal boundaries that say we will not switch the data, we will not do that data? A number we've heard that the infrastructure number, the main infrastructure has been hacked. We've heard that there have been data breaches, etc. But there's no framework for the protection of this data. So left to me, if the government wants to, you know, get busy with online things, they should focus on protecting data. They should focus on using the data that they have to make life simple for citizens. There's so many, so many, so many things within government. There's so many government processes that citizens are groaning about that can be solved with just the simple use of data that they have. They should leave online regulation alone. The platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all of them, they all have mechanisms. They have frameworks that moderate conversations. And it's part of that moderation that made them delete Mr. President's tweet. 
because it went against their rules. So what other moderation are we looking for? What other regulation are we looking for? Mm -hmm. I think the government needs to focus on its focus, which is making life easy or bearable for Nigerians at this point and leave online regulation alone. Yes, I totally agree with you. At this point, I would say protect the data and protect the people. A lot of questions for the Minister of Digital Economy. So that was very perceptive. And I have to ask, how can we protect online freedom of expression? Thank you very much for that question. Um, there's a few ways to it. And I think one of the first things people must take responsibility for is their personal security when they're online. So if a number of things like two-factor authentication, uh, disabling unnecessary location sharing apps, um, even though the location sharing functionality can be very useful in some instances and can actually be used uh, to save a person's life or just guarantee their security. Um, also important not to give away too much information, personal information online, as this can be pieced together by people who want to harm you. So for instance, you know, it's for someone to say, I just got to a bank or at the airport, or I just got an extra over a period of time, you can put that information together. For society, I would say it's to be aware, step ahead of the government and, you know, head of government sometimes, because this is what helps us. When you think about social media bill, which has been defeated roundly, like you think about the speech bill, the NGO bill, the infections bill, which the country used to expand its powers unnecessarily in the name of writing a pandemic, there's lots that needs to be done. And the only way civil society is able to get on top of these things is if they are also if they collaborate, right? Um, let's think about NITDA's new code of practice, um, which amongst other things says it wants social media platform owners to give to the government identities of people who put out information that essentially the government is not happy with. Civil society organizations, Tech Hub, for instance, Paradigm Initiatives, Avocats on Frontiers, and a bunch of other organizations have written a memo in response to that code of practice, pointing out very clearly provisions of that practice, which we believe contravene human rights, which, which we believe contravene you know, our rights to expression, etc. So it's important for us primarily to stay aware right, to continue to seek information so that we can counter some of these things as they come up before they take root. Amazing. This was an insightful conversation. Before we leave, can you please tell our listeners why it is important that the online civic space is safeguarded? Depression, right, is often like uh, killing a frog. You don't just pour hot water on a frog. No, you put the frog in cold water and start to heat the water up little by little. And so the frog continues to make adjustments and say, oh, it's just a little bit hotter than it was. It's just a little bit hotter till it comes to a point where the frog can no longer survive. That's how repression creeps in. By protecting our online freedoms, we're safeguarding our offline freedoms. We don't want to wake up one day with a firewall around us like China. We don't want to wake up one day you know, heavy surveillance and the government, our government is already investing in surveillance infrastructure ensuring that we are able to move around freely as citizens of Nigeria starts from ensuring that we are able to speak freely as citizens of Nigeria. So the online civic space, which a lot of Nigerians use to hold their representatives, their elected and appointed representatives to account, must be protected at all costs. The day we wake up in Nigeria and we can no longer speak is the day no longer a nation.
this our you know this democracy that we continue to refer to as nascent, even though twenty three years um, you know confers adulthood on anyone, is one that must be protected, right? It's one that we must continue to look out for. A lot of people say, oh, you know the the sovereignty discussion, the national security discussion. Here's what disinformation and misinformation are doing. Yes, those concerns exist, but as far as I'm concerned. We shouldn't focus on phantom issues to the detriment of our freedoms. And that's why the online civic space, that's why our freedoms to express ourselves online and offline must be protected at all costs. So, Chama, could you tell us about what TechCar is doing to protect, you know, the digital rights of young people in the country? Sure. Um, in 2020, work, um, some desk and then, of course, we spoke to a number of people and produced a report called Reclaiming Nigeria's Civic Space. We've taken that work forward. This was in 2021. We've taken that forward this year with whole convenings in a number of Nigerian cities, just putting together a collective and sustainable civil society approach to protect all of our liberties. So we've held convenings in Lagos, and we worked with Pradam Initiative to do this. We've held a convening in Tarkot, and I know that my team will be in Kano in a few days, again, to speak to people and find out the ways that their freedoms are starting to be curtailed so that we know how to respond. That's on the one hand. The second part of that is we're having conversations with platform owners, so Facebook, Google, Twitter, uh, to talk about the restrictions that they feel from government, but also to impress upon them the importance of ensuring that the identities of their users remain as sacrosanct and as anonymous as they should be to give them local context, but and also to give them nuances to, so that they don't just take, you know, there's some requests that governments might make that might seem straightforward on the surface, but have undertones that could harm people. So it's to have those types of deep, you know, Chatham House bound type conversations on how we can ensure that our liberties and our freedoms are not tampered with. And the third thing we're doing is focusing specifically on women. Again, Tekka is an organization that works for women and girls, focusing on women and girls and helping them see the vulnerabilities with their use of digital. Um, and so we've done some research within this context. We're now producing a safety manual specifically for women and girls help them to protect themselves as they use all things digital or technology. That's amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emma, for being our guest on this particular episode on the Civic Space. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode. We hope that this discussion has shed more light on the necessity of safeguarding the civic space, both offline and online. Thank you very much and see you next time. To join the conversation about accountability in the civic space, kindly visit partnersunited.org. If your rights or civic liberties have been violated, you can visit www.reports.nhrc.gov.ng to make a report.